House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. We are back, and now joining us, uh, author Douglas Birchall. Thank you for joining us in the show. Well, thank you for having me. Okay. Now, your new book coming out here November 5th, uh, Harvesting Shadows. Um, uh, let's, let's, let's tell the uh, audience a little bit about what that is. Okay. Well, uh, this is a novel. This is a story that details the experiences that one family, I would say, endured during their time in a, uh, a haunted house in Salt Lake City. Um, but I, I think to call it a haunted house is almost, it's, it's, I would say these people were victimized by whatever was in the house. Um, and this is, this is me telling their story. Um, uh, they hired me basically to, to document what they remembered and to, uh, to bring it to life, I guess is the best <laughs> Yeah, best so, way to describe so, it, so to speak, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so uh, let's let's start with you now. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, where did uh, Douglas start? How did you get into uh, this? And how did they find you to uh, to write this or to talk about this? Well, I started. I've been a freelance writer for about ten years now, um, and I started off writing articles, uh, short stories. Uh, you know, press releases and, and, and kind of video game reviews. Um, I ended up working for Frogware's game development studio for about, I'd say, five or six years. Uh, all telecommute, they're a Ukrainian-based company. And when the Civil War in Ukraine happened or the Russians invaded, you know, however you want to look at it, uh, that was kind of the end of that. So... I bummed around for a bit until my wife said, you got to start doing something or you're going to go crazy. <laughs> um, and I thought, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, I can pretty much do whatever I want now. And I've always had always had an interest in the paranormal ever since I was a child. Um, and, and oddly enough, I just started, you know, Googling and checking the job boards on the off chance that somebody was looking for somebody to, to tell their story. It was really weird. And... I happened upon uh, April had posted a you know a job post on uh, Elance, and I checked it out and I thought you know I'm, I'm going to try this one I'm going to go for it and I ended up coming in coming in at the uh, the tail end she was down to like the last three writers that she was going to choose um, they're all uh, like very technical very good writers and I told her I said I'm going to come at this I'm going to basically frame this in the form that I would I would write my fiction. And I guess it really struck a chord with her family uh, because I tried to put myself in their shoes, you know, and, and understand, you know, their, their situation. So I submitted my writing sample and it ended up being the one they went with. And uh, it was pretty much a wild ride from there. Right. So now you say you uh, sort of had a belief in paranormal since you were young uh, did you have any actual experiences or did you just sort of find it interesting um, both I'd always found it interesting and I, I, I I've seen things you know what I mean um, like the most memorable one that sticks out in my memory is a, is a large shadow entity one night as I was driving home and you hear people talk about these things when you read other people's experiences about something being so dark it, it absorbs the ambient light. And this thing was so dark it absorbed the light of my headlights. I mean, I'd come to a dead stop in the street and this thing slowly just passed, floated right in front of me. It had to be at least eight feet tall. Um, and it, it was so unreal that, I mean, that was from that moment I started reading uh, authors like John Keel, you know, Jacques Vallée, um, Barry Taff, some guys who are, who are like kind of exploring other avenues other than the traditional, you know, because it didn't look like a ghost to me. It didn't look like a demon, but it was definitely some kind of thing that was out of place. Um, and, and that was 
probably about, I'd say, 15 years ago. And that's when I started looking into some of this stuff a little more seriously. Right. So now this story here, um, when, when you first got it, like when you were first being told about it, um, mm-hmm. I, so, you know, we, we, we hear a lot of stories you know, in pop culture and around the world now about sure. hauntings and paranormal and all that. It's just going on, right? Um, right. How did you, how did you say, decipher or did you, how did you come to the point where you thought this was real? Like, was was there a turning point? <laughs> I mean, because, you know, I, there's, I, I get yeah. them all, I get hundreds a day. And, sure, and, and sure. there has to be a point when you're reading and you're kind of going, oh, okay, well... Maybe not. Yeah. You know, uh, where no, did it at, turn? At, at first, uh, honestly, at first, I was convinced they were lying to me. <laughs> and I, yeah. we, we've had this discussion, April and Matt and I, because I, uh, there was a point where they actually asked me, you know, like, do, do you believe this? Do you believe what we're telling you? And uh, in the beginning, like I said, I, I, I thought they had to be lying. They had to be making this up. Or maybe, you know, they were all sharing some kind of delusion. But then I started interviewing the other folks that had been involved in this, like the, uh, the paranormal researcher and uh, the clairvoyant. I started looking up the real estate records and, uh, you know, finding obituaries and stuff. And I started to say, well, you know, if, if they had made this up, it's been 10 years. You know, they could have written a book three times over. They wouldn't need me to tell the story. So things started clicking into place. And, and there were some other things... It began to happen as I was working on this story. As I got deeper and deeper into it, um, I, I would begin—I'd be interviewing April or Matt on the phone, and um, I, you know, my brother lives out in Seattle, and I talked to him quite a bit on the phone too. Um, he lives out in Washington State, and I get no interference. You know what I mean? Like they don't even live that far out, and, and I was getting—I don't know if it was interference or what it was—but these these screaming animalistic voices that started to mask their voices to the point where I couldn't even understand what they were saying anymore and I had to tell them to stop. And that happened a few times. Um, and, and you know, I got to the point where I started to worry, like, is, is this a safe project to actually be working on? Because it seems to be <laughs> still somewhat active and, and or there's something connected to the story or, or it's getting into my head somehow. Um, and... You know, one night I was was up late and I was worrying about this kind of stuff out on the back porch, and, and I was just thinking, like, what if something like this came after my family? What would I be able to do? And it was really weird, almost like as if an answer. There was like three bright blue flashes of light that seemed to come out of nowhere and lit up the backyard, just like it was the middle of the day. Huh. And like all of a sudden, you know, when people say that. I, all of a sudden I had that feeling I wasn't alone. You know what I mean? Like I had that feeling and I was like, okay, all right. So either this, you know, appears to all be real or I'm stressing myself out or it's a product of my overactive imagination. At any rate, I decided, you know, I had to keep the story at arm's length. I believe, you know, what they told me. Um, Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and then, I guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, I just there's, there, there's always that point, right? Because, I mean, you get a lot oh, of, Oh, sure, sure. You know. um, so, now, this is in Salt Lake City, um, mm-hmm. and um, is it in the actual city or in the suburbs? It's, it's in a place called The Avenues, which is right, it's not far from downtown Salt Lake City, um, and it's where some of the oldest houses in Salt Lake are, uh, where some of the, the, the original settlers, you know, began to build their, you know, the more wealthy ones began to build their mansions. Uh, and, you know, from what I'm told, there's just about, they, they, they say just about every old house up there has some kind of activity. And there's some speculation that Maybe the entire area is a nexus of some kind. Maybe, you know, like, uh, if you believe in ley lines, that, that one maybe runs through that particular area. But it's something about the avenues that just seems to have, you know, the, the, these stories. Right. Well, some you know, kind of activity. But that's kind of a, I mean, that is a fairly 
Mormon populated area. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really, I uh, you know, I have some Mormon in my background, but there's mm-hmm. not really a belief in um, afterlife per se like that, where there's ghosts and hauntings. Sure. So mm-hmm. uh, d- d- does that affect them in the community itself? Like, like you know what I'm saying? If you're in the middle of a, you know, a, a, a district that's got, you know, a fairly popular type of, you know, uh, whatever it is, it's a Mormon mm-hmm. religion or any other type of thing, and you're kind of talking out of turn, so to speak. You're saying, well, this is... Uh, does that put well, pressure on them is what I'm sort of saying. Like, if you're... Uh, like, how do their neighbors feel? Well, the interesting thing about the avenues is, you know, it started out very Mormon, um, but it became, by the time Matt and April were living there, it was a bit more, I don't know what it was, it was bohemian, I guess. Yeah, okay. You know, it wasn't unusual to see people drinking wine, you know, on, on a Sunday morning on the porch. Right. Uh, the missionaries didn't really go up that way uh, because I think it... it it kind of become home to a new crowd. Um, in fact, there's a Masonic temple up around there, as I recall from what they were telling me. Um, but it's, yeah, there. As far as the uh, you know the Mormon population, um, some of the things in the in the book, you know, like in, in April's early life, you see like you know the bishop laying hands on her, um, but they they didn't. They didn't really go that direction as far as like seeking uh, too much help, you know, towards the end of this from from the Mormon community. Right. No, I was just wondering because I know what it's like, and I was just wondering mm-hmm. if it put a pressure on them to to behave a certain way. You know, uh, I see. Right, right. Well, I know, and you know, April's mother was very concerned about what the way they were living their lives uh, at that point because of what was going on in the house. Um, so, yeah, they, they, there was some pressure, um, at least from, you know, the family angle. But, um, right. yeah, community-wise, I think they both worked so much that they didn't have a, a real good chance to get to, to know their neighbors that well until, you know, they started going around and asking questions. Okay. And so um, so how did it start for them? Let's kind of go through the scenario. Um, uh, when did they move there, and uh, what was the first thing that they noticed that was different? Well, when they moved in, um, they, I think it, it's, it sounds kind of cliched, but, you know, these things, they start slowly, you know, shadow out of the corner of your eye, you think you hear noises. Um you know, strange dreams. Uh, but it, it, it began to, to, to build with, um, you know, starting, starting to hear the banging on the pipes, you know, stuff you can initially write off. It's an old house, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They, they make noise until, you know, you begin to, like, the, like I said, the banging on the pipes almost seems to have an intelligence behind it. You know, you start to hear these children's voices at night, you start to pick up on it that it's not it's not coming from a neighbor's house or outside or anything you know and, and your own kids aren't home um, but I think the, the the real turning point was when they began to see this this um symbol on the ceiling in their bedroom you know this kind of like figure eight that, that swirled in this this pattern and again there you know we have this this phenomenon of you know, this this thing, whatever it is, being darker than dark, you know. You can see it in, in the darkness, you know, because it's absorbing, like I said before, you know, like the ambient light. You can tell that there's something there. And they, you know, they eventually came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe this house was haunted by a little kid, you know. Um, and they... It, I don't think they would disagree that, you know, it's a good example of what not to do, you know, trying to deal with this stuff by yourself, looking up remedies on the Internet. Um, but they they did. They read it up, you know, right up. They went down to the Golden Braid bookstore, um, and they attempted to banish this thing uh, on their own. And 
it worked, but unfortunately it would appear that this this symbol was actually a ward of some kind, kind of keeping things in check. And once they um once once they forced it out of the house, that's I mean, literally when all hell broke loose and things just went, you know, over the edge. Yeah. And so what was their predisposition? So where were they feeling um in far as um were they religious were they um did they have a background with paranormal and they believed in ghosts and that kind of where where did they come from in that framework april was interested in it um you know she she kind of had an interest in the paranormal also from a, a younger age but it may have been part of uh rebellion against you know her mormon upbringing right but matt matt was pretty down to earth like he was more of a uh technology kind of guy. You had to show him something for him to believe in it. Um, and like he, but he, he didn't go out of his way to disprove things either. Um, he kind of had a fairly open mind, but he, he didn't let himself get wrapped up in, in concepts of the paranormal. Um, in fact, when this stuff started happening, he, he was more of the mind that, you know, we should just deal with this ourselves. We don't need to get anyone else involved. We don't need to become a spectacle. Um, you know, have people all around town talking about it. So he was definitely uh, also a very protective man. You know, he he didn't want to expose his family to, you know, like a parade of charlatans and ghosts, you know, people right. who are, we know there are, there are people out there looking to make a dime off of people, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, um, who, who, how do you know who to trust? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He didn't want to open his family up to that. No, no, no they did, did they have children at the time? Uh, they, April had uh, two sons, uh, Nate and Shane, from previous relationships. And Matt, you know, she had met Matt a couple of years earlier, and uh, they had decided to, you know, try this family thing together. And things had been working out pretty well. Um, they were at a point where they could financially afford you know, this nice Victorian home with, with some remodeling and some, you know, rebuilding. And uh, things were looking pretty bright when they moved in. And so, you know, it, it sounds like it was pretty terrifying. So after the, you know, the pipes banging and the, some voices, um, when did something major start happening that um, where it became a little bit more desperate, a little bit more terrifying for them? The what uh, April's mother had come over to stay one night uh, while Matt was out of town on a contract, and uh, April had asked her mother to come over help out get the boys to school and stuff like that. And she had set up a cot in um, the youngest boy's room, Shane. And over the course of the night, the his closet door kept opening. And, you know, again, that's something you can kind of write off to a, a gusty home or, you know, an older place. But at some point, something reached out of the closet and grabbed her arm, and she had to shake it off. Um, and and that was when that was when things got a little bit more intense, you know, like people started taking it a little bit more seriously. And that was, you know, not long after that, they started to notice that symbol um and 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 the, the questions that the possibility that you know, maybe somebody's going to get hurt if we don't do something about this but then on the other hand you know you're you're kind of stuck in this in this mentality but you know this stuff isn't supposed to happen you know right well, yeah um was so, there any, yeah. any significance to the symbol of 8 like you were saying that symbol did they come up with anything or Seemingly a symbol, you know, symbol for infinity. Uh, so the, the best that they could guess was that it was a ward, a protective symbol of some kind that someone had put there, um, and that that was the best guess, you know, because the the entire phenomenon is not just in this case, but it seems to be open to a lot of subjection. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, a haunting, this experience 
one of the things I noticed working on on this project, it's a, it's a, it becomes an intensely personal thing, uh, this experience that you go through, almost as if, you know, and I, I, I'm just speculating here. This is just something that you know I had thought about. Like, if it's perhaps it's it's meant to teach a lesson, or it's meant to open your worldview, or it's it's somehow reflects your subconscious in some way. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's so hard to tell, you know, in, in, in retrospect. It, it, it could have had a lot of meaning. It could have been, you know, this, this symbol for infinity. It could have been something else. But that's the other thing. There's no, there's no definite, real definite answers yeah. as to what exactly it was. Now, now, I noticed now your name, Harvesting Shadows. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Actually, April came up with that. We were kicking around some ideas and, and kind of brainstorming different ideas, and um, harvesting shadows seemed to just actually just hit the nail right on the head uh, as far as what had happened in this house. You know, concerning what they believed the the, the source of this haunting had been, um, which was you know this this family of polygamists that had lived there in the thirties. Um, and was led by, you know, this this um, this man William, who was just very vile and and cruel, a cruel man. And it, it seemed like that's what he had done there. He had he had, you know he had kind of like planted misery, and now you know it was time people were harvesting the shadows that had been left behind by his uh, abuse of his own family. Family of polygamists. <laughs> um. So, how did they determine that? Was this a sort of research, or was there? Did, you said you mentioned clairvoyant earlier. Did, did they? Yeah. Did they bring something like that in, or a medium? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, they, they had had so many come through the house, um, and you know they they just seemed to be making it up as they went along. Uh, but one in particular, Debbie, seemed to home in on what they had experienced already. And when she toured the house, you know, she told them that's what she saw. She saw this, this family polygamist um, and other relations that, that they had brought into the house um, and that this this man was very abusive towards his children, towards other people's children, towards his own wives. And that was the, the general feel that they got. This guy seemed to have a lot of power. And I guess at the time, in the 30s, the polygamist, some polygamist families, I know it, it had been outlawed by the church state well before that, but some of them almost operated like organized crime families, as I understand it. And so it would it would seem that what she saw uh, seemed to, you know, fit the bill for what was going on here. Um, and But again, the phenomenon, you know, like, my own personal point of view, um, I believe something happened in that house, you know, there, and even amongst the other people who experienced it, you know, there's there's some some question as to what the nature of the phenomenon actually is. Does it pick up on what you expect it to be, or does it feed you what it is, you know, and, and then you pick up on these elements? There, there again, that's another you know, big mystery of it. Um, yeah. You know, so they they must have researched it some uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did the people before them that lived there did, were they able to contact them and see kind of what they experienced? Or well, that's actually a very tragic tale. There, um, the the husband who had lived in that house before they had moved in um, killed himself, and he left a very disturbing suicide note painted on the wall of the hallway which said this house murdered me and when they did start doing a little more research talking to the neighbors they found that um, a lot of the the behaviors that Matt had been exhibiting exhibiting um, as, as a you know this phenomenon got worse were the same things that the previous owner had done, you know, standing outside, screaming at the house at all hours of the night, personality changes, um, just this, this feeling of fighting a losing battle. Um, 
they had some limited contact with his wife. She stopped by one day and, and she just, tales had been going around the town. You know what I mean? Like people, yeah. you know, well, that's, that's the haunted house over there. And she had stopped by one day and talked to Matt and, and you know, she, she asked him, you know, you, you don't, you don't think it's my husband, do you? And he said, no, you know, he, the last thing he wanted to do was open up old wounds or anything like that. Um, but they're, yeah, so, so the, the immediate, you know, the occupants immediately before them had, had some kind of, you know, some kind of bizarre activity going on in the house as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and uh, they started talking to the neighbors, you said. So now mm-hmm. have, have the neighbors found anything unusual about the house or about their own house in the same area? Not too much. In, 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 in a lot of the houses in the area. Now, when the paranormal researchers were uh, in Matt Naples' house for a while, they, um, an interesting side story, they got a visit from uh, one of the guys at the Masonic Temple one night. And the guy came had come down and he was, he was asking, like, you guys are the ghost researchers, you know, and they were just kind of like telling them a little bit about what was going on. And, and he said, you got to come up to the temple sometime and see what's going on. <laughs> so that would lead you to believe that there's something else going on up there as well. <laughs> and and so now, now this has kind of gotten into where you say now there's aspects of violence throughout this. Um, what were some of the violent things that happened in the house after the initial little things that were happening? When it really started um, cutting loose, I guess, was, was it, it seemed to react directly to being provoked. Um, there were a couple of instances where uh, Matt would, would, was challenging one of these entities that he had seen repeatedly, and, and it was kind of like these, uh, you hear a lot about these, these shadow people, the hat man, and he, he, there was one incident where, you know, he kind of challenged anything that was in the house, you know, telling it to get out. And, uh, he ended up just getting knocked across the kitchen, you know, while he was pouring coffee, the whole coffee maker, the mug, everything, just everybody would just went slamming against the wall. Um, and there was one particular incident when April was assaulted by something, you know, after work one night, she had come home. Uh, she was getting ready for bed. She noticed the shadow kind of like flittering around the staircase. And by the time she had turned around, this thing had knocked her down the stairs. And these particular entities seemed to have uh, an ability. I don't know if it's a need, um, but but they, they seemed to drain people's strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and, and like I said, that's another that's another like wild card there. You know, I don't know if it, like I said, if it was a need or if it was just like a dominance kind of thing. But um, so there were there were a couple incidents where you know the the, the phenomenon was becoming more and more violent. And it, it's probably important to note, at least from from my perspective, that the the more afraid they became, the more violent it became, uh, the stronger it seemed to become. Um, so it was, it was, you know, it was, the shadows would be reaching out and, and strangling April, uh, in a couple of instances, slamming the bed around, um, their youngest son, they believe that at, at one point was, um, was, was strangled by one of these, these entities as well. And it, it, it all seems to be this kind of snowball effect, you know? The more afraid you become of it, the more powerful it becomes, the more dangerous it becomes. So I don't know if there's, I'm sure there's clues in there somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so so did it come to a point where they had to escape the house or leave it, or uh, did it resolve eventually? There were several times they left the house um, when it just became too violent. You know, they, and they would spend weeks to a month in a hotel and... They'd check back in on the house, and the activity would, would have died down. And well, maybe it's safe to come back. 
you know, but as soon as they would come back, it would start up all over again until um, finally they got to the point where, where they realized, you know, we have to do something or somebody's going to get hurt or, or killed if this go, you know, continues to go on. And so that was when they really started kind of like reaching out to the different researchers, uh, psychics. They mean, they found Debbie who uh, agreed to come and do a walk through the house and then eventually, uh, agreed to work with them to, uh, to help them free themselves, free the house of, of the entities that were in it. Hmm. Now that did that eventually happen? Or are they still in the house? Is it, Everything's kind of no. They, nope. It's been about ten years. They moved out of the house. They um, Debbie came and did a cleansing with Matt and April and some of their family members and friends. Uh, but they were still <clears throat> they were a little nervous. They held on to the house for for a year before they sold it, just to make sure that that it was safe to uh, you know to do so. Um, and they they checked up on the house too. Uh, in the years that have passed to to see what kind of, you know, if there's continuing activity or, you know, if it's died down. And, you know, I think thanks to Debbie's efforts, the the activity has died down. There's still some stuff going on there. Uh, But the really interesting thing that they told me is that this, this activity only seems to flare up when a family with children moves in. Like right now, there's an elderly couple living there who basically haven't experienced anything at all. Um, if you go back through the, the, the sales records, you know, it's like any any family that, that moves in there that has children, they don't last more than like three or four months before they sell the place and, and clear out. And so it seems like this, whatever was in that house is, is somehow somewhat focused on, on children, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and so now... It looks like um, what uh, Discovery Channel did um, a little um, document on this mm-hmm. uh, uh, for a haunting in that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Did, and did it air and everything on 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 their show? It, it aired, yeah. And I, I watched it. That was one of the, the stipulations for they take the project where they wanted me to watch it first. Mm-hmm. And um, I gotta say, I love a haunting, uh, even though you know it's it's. It's fine for what it is. It's a one-hour prime time, you know, um, battle of good versus evil with a clean wrap-up at the end. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, and, and that's, there's only so much you can do with that format. Right. And I think one of the things Matt and April wanted to do was to, to dig a little bit deeper into their personal experiences. Um, because all these shows... You know, the things we see on, on TV and we read and they, they don't show you the, the trauma left behind by these experiences. You know, it's easy to, it's easy to watch something and just say, oh, it's, there's some spooky ghosts, you know, in this house. But you don't really understand the mental and physical toll this takes on people. Um, I mean, the, the, the Discovery documentary was, was almost 10 years ago. And after that, Matt and April, um, they didn't really want to talk about it, you know, because they, they felt that they might be, you know, ridiculed or further scrutinized um, and not taken seriously. And it, it, it took a while to, to, to get some of the folks to talk about their experiences. And I can understand why. You know, some of them didn't want to talk about it. Some of the people that I, I reached out to the... Um, the uh, wife, the husband and wife that had lived there before Matt and April, and she didn't want to talk about it, and I respect that and understand it. And uh, even Matt was a little hesitant in the beginning, and I told him, you know, I, mean, I made it pretty clear to both of them that I'm not, my job is to tell your story in the best way possible, and I want to make it as entertaining as possible. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to try and verify whether this is true or not even though I had to <laughs> by yeah. the end of it for my own sanity, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, that helped, that helped a good bit. And one of the interesting things is April kind of confided in me, you know, halfway through the project that one of the reasons that she was choosing to, to do this now was, um, 
it was kind of cathartic, kind of therapeutic, you know, to get Matt to talk about it again, to get everybody to talk about it again, get it out, not keep it repressed. Yeah, yeah. And so, I guess, I guess the point being that, um, yeah, some of the shows show up and they do their their film and leave, and that's it. Um, there's no fault. Mm-hmm. It's 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 their real life and it's their whole life. And it goes exactly. on. Exactly. And it goes on after the show, just like it did before. Yeah. And, yep. that, and then that is something that's missing. That's something that um, mm-hmm. none of the shows really do, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not the quick entertainment, but so. Uh, right. So, it's yeah. it's not as clean as they they kind of portray it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess that you got you can see it from that side, but it's it's a very good point you bring up that. Um, uh, it's become, I think, where people just sort of watch the shows, uh, go, oh, my God, mm-hmm. that's really cool, and it's just out of their brain, and then the next show comes on about the same thing, and sure, they watch sure. that. So they're not really thinking about the people involved. They're almost characters on a show. Right, yeah. You know, it's not they, they're not personal. Like, they don't really think of uh, April and Matt, per se, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. after the show. They're thinking, oh, what about those people in... And that's it. That they don't really. So yeah, it's kind of a yeah. It, that's one of the things I wanted to capture in the book was, um, you know, their feelings. You know, what, what what are they feeling while this is going on? What are they thinking about? You know what I mean? Um, and 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 bring some some real personality, you know, to the tale. Yeah. No, did you come up with kind of a a. a um, an ideology. Did you come up with some sort of a um, frame on this, as in what you could call it? Like, um, you know, there's so many expressions out there, from demon to to poltergeist to you know, like there's a thousand of them, and there's movies and there's people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. vampires and everything's going on. Um, did you come up well, with something that you thought? For a long time now, I guess, you know, I mentioned like, like John Keel and some of those, you know, um, I guess less traditional thinkers in, in the realm of the paranormal these days. Uh, personally, I, I think that there's something that we don't understand yet. And I, I, like I said, I'm no expert on this. These are just, you know, my own concepts. Whatever was in this house was was reacting to what it was picking up from Matt and April's subconscious, or maybe they were projecting it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot about the human mind we don't understand yet, or you know, that there's something in the environment and it, it picked up on it and amplified it and it fed it back. But then again, it whatever it is appeared to have a sentience to it, an intelligence. Um, that was one of the, you know, I actually asked that question to, uh, Jeremy Spencer, one of the researchers who was in there. And, and I, I said, do you, did you, do you think these were ghosts or demons or was it some kind of higher intelligence, like almost playing a game or was it some kind of like projected thought form? And he, his, his response was great because he said, um, all of the above, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> The, the phenomenon is so slippery. When you think you got it pegged down, it, it's almost like it becomes something else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, being in the business, I find it very hard to uh, be positive about anything. And, and I don't mean that in an oh, up way, just that when people are, mm-hmm. you know, they're calling a poltergeist this, and then they're calling it something else. And sure. You know, everybody right. you talk to, they have different definitions and descriptions and yeah and so much of it is religious based and some of it's not mm -hmm. i i don't know where to go with any of it you know really it's i'm a big proponent of you know the the whole high strangeness theory and it's all interrelated maybe you know but we don't have you know there's so many different camps of study you've got ghost hunters bigfoot hunters ufo hunters um but they don't communicate with each other they don't look at the, the overlap, you know what I mean, in some of these cases. Yeah. Where in a lot of poltergeist activity, you also have lights in the sky and vice versa. Um, a lot of these haunted houses, people have seen strange cryptids around them as well. Um, so I, I 
think that maybe maybe in time science is gonna is gonna bring us something new. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got these these fields of cognitive psychology and quantum mechanics, um, and and that that maybe they're gonna show us something someday. You know, and we can we can be oh yeah, you know. So that's what causes that. And but it's all it's, it's speculation too. You know what I mean? Like it, the, the only real way to get someone to believe in these kind of things, I guess, is for them to see it themselves. You know, especially in this day and age when you give me 15 minutes in the internet and I can create, you know, any kind of ghost footage or EVP or, or you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. It, it's easy to do and it's cheap nowadays. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just just ride through Facebook for twenty minutes, and and you've seen everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I actually, I will say, uh, most of it is just kind of you know to rile people or upset them. Oh sure. But it's sure. pretty amazing how creative some of these people are. Like they they can really oh yeah put together some stuff that's like wow you know you you've got talent, but it's too bad it's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. just little. You got to wonder if they're. Yeah. Maybe doing a special effects reel for Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, some of it's really good, and you think, wow, it should just yeah. be bad as a little Facebook article, and you're trying to piss off someone. But it's pretty, sure, yeah. it's, it's pretty clever. Some of it's amazing. I'm thrilled um, at what people do. I'm, I'm glad of it. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. again, it makes it even more difficult to decide what's real. Um, yeah, and I think that's why, uh, you know, a healthy dose of skepticism is also very valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we need the believers and the skeptics. Yeah, it, we need both just to you know, well, just some checks and balances. And I think it's like a lot of things. It's it's hard to, but it's better to be not emotional um, mm-hmm. when you're mm-hmm. analyzing these things. Just like when you talk politics or religion or anything oh, sure, like that. Sure. If, if it's the ones that are real emotional that just um, no longer listen and just scream out their thought. So nothing really right, changes, right. you know, you're not going to change anything. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing with this. I think that um, it's, it's hard for them, for instance, Matt and April, of course, because they're involved, so emotions are, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Sure, but, yeah. Uh, from yeah. the outside, um, you got to try and not be as involved that way in that. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, that's, but again, who knows? I'm just throwing my own two cents in. Um, so now, so the family's all happy now? I mean, or yeah, move yeah, they're mm-hmm. Yeah, they've gotten their lives back together, and and you know they've moved on, and you know things seem to be quiet now. So nothing, yeah, so far. Well, so nothing followed them. Like they moved away from the house, and uh, they're not what? experiencing this all over again. This isn't something that's fault. Not not at this point. Now, Matt kind of confided in me that he thought something had followed them. You know, maybe the first house they had moved to, but at this point everything's quiet and and, and you know safe. I think it might be the most important part. Yeah. But, wow. And uh, well, that's good. And no no ill effects on the on the children. Everything seems to be uh, okay. Yeah, everything seems to be going pretty well. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think her, her youngest actually did a book report on the book oh. <laughs> for his English class. Well, I, I, that's probably healthy, you know, in a way, if they, if they can, if they can <laughs> sure. talk about it and go through it. I mean, that's, um, so now has this changed what you're going to do in the future? Now, I, now when this book comes out and uh, you're doing, are you going to continue doing this type of, type of research and writing, or do you, is it kind of sw- swung you that way? Or Well, I've, I've, I guess what I'm looking at now is, is, is uh, I don't want to know too much. Not because I'm scared of it, but because I'm afraid if if I know too much, there won't be any mystery left for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I've got it all figured out, then then the mystery the mystery dies a little bit, the magic dies a little. But I, I have a feeling I'm always going to have one foot in this this arena because I mean the book hasn't even been officially released yet, and I've already had people coming to me and and talking to me about things that they're not comfortable talking to other people about, these experiences, these phenomenon, concerns about them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do you um, think that is? I, but, I mean, nowadays, um, uh, with so many 
ghost shows. Like I see UFOs still being a little bit, um, mm. you know, if you start talking that you've been abducted and, and probed, uh, people right. kind of, yeah, okay. But when you're, right. but the ghosts are, I've been accepted pretty um Pretty mainstream, really, uh, haunted mm-hmm. and ghosts mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So why do you think people are still really um, scared to talk about it in that? Like, for instance, with them, why, why is it sort of... Um, it doesn't fit into... It doesn't fit into their reality. It doesn't fit into their paradigm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the problem with our society is if you talk too loudly about it, you get slammed down, you know? You, 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 people start looking at you like, oh, okay, what's wrong with you? You know, yeah. um, as opposed to, well, maybe, you know, maybe something strange is going on. And I think the other thing is that maybe our definitions are a little bit too strict as well. You know what I mean? Like we say haunting, we say ghost. Therefore, you know, in, popular culture and mass media, it must be the spirit of a dead person or it must be a, a demon or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're afraid to to open those definitions up a little bit and say, well, maybe it's 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 something else that we haven't considered yet. You know? Um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a glimpse in another reality. Maybe it's a glimpse back through time. You know, maybe it, it's uh, another dimension. Um Maybe it's none of those things. Like I said, maybe it's something that we don't even, you know, comprehend yet. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, restrictions on on how far you can take it. It's fine as entertainment, you know, like you said, and the ghost hunter shows and everything. But you, you start talking about it in personal experience too much, and that's when people start to to worry about you instead of you know trying to understand and, and possibly you know coming to a conclusion. Well, maybe that really is going on. Yeah, yeah. But there again, we go back to the whole thing. It's like you can't get someone to believe until they see it, until they experience it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not in their own personal world, they they might not understand it. It just uh, Mm -hmm. just finds it. It just seems a little bit strange that it's something that's fairly mainstream, but yet at the same time, it still induces the fear to talk about it, and that's. um, you know, that's too bad, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, what did I read? Um, there's, a, there's, there's an old quote, I can't remember who said it, but uh, it goes something along the lines of, everybody wants to hear the ghost story, but nobody wants to see the ghost. Yeah. You know, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to be the one in the ghost story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I think what happens is you have to question then, um, if someone tells you that they're having a, an experience in their house or at work with a haunting, mm-hmm. then you have to challenge your own beliefs then. Sure, sure. I think that might be an issue as Definitely. well. Definitely. Right, because then I have to kind of go, well, this person, do I believe them? Are they nuts? Or mm-hmm. have what I thought about ghosts and whatever God, religion is wrong? I, mm-hmm. I think that's sort of maybe sometimes... That might actually be, be scarier than contemplating that you know <laughs> ghosts yeah. are real. If you have to, if you have to step back and and and, and reexamine everything you've been taught and everything you believe, everything that you know you've learned, that's pretty scary. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah. That's a big big change. Well, yeah, because the, the longer a belief's been in your life, uh, you center everything on that. That's one of the many formulas you build your life on. So if mm-hmm. you're 50 years old and then you go, wow. You mean there is such a thing as this, and then you kind of have to challenge everything you've done in fifty years. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. Mean, I, I mean, I, I just like uh, I would think that would be kind of, you know, a little bit uh, unsettling. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitely. Yep. So, um, so now, how do people uh, get a hold of you? Now, if someone else has a story they want to present to you, or maybe they uh, know something about this, or they want to comment on your book. Do you have a website or something? Or I don't currently have a website. Um, I just have, have a, you know, my, my personal email address, which is uh, drburchill, B-U-R-C-H-I-L-L, at gmail.com. Right. Well, that's better anyway. Now, <laughs> Websites are kind of out of date. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, in this day and age, um, you know, <laughs> 
But it's, and I should make it clear though, I'm not an expert on any of this. So. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, this is like, uh, My, you know, it's, it's a book you've written and stuff. It's just that sometimes, sure, sure. you know, people will, and, and, uh, you will get comments, you know, good and yeah, bad. Yeah. You know, and actually that, you know, that's, we're talking about, uh, writing, um, that was, that's been my suggestion. I just made that suggestion to someone who came to me with um, some experiences that they had had, some, some you know, entities that they had been seeing and, and, and phenomenon that was occurring. It was all very chaotic. And I said, you know, write it. Take the chaos and, and make it into some kind of order. You know, because in my opinion, writing is a kind of magic as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're creating this world. You're, you're, you're giving it structure and form narrative and dialogue and characters you're making sense of it all and I, I think it's also therapeutic and creative um, but I mean I suppose you could say that about any kind of art that you would bring to, you know bring in to deal with some kind of trauma along those lines yeah I think so I think it's a good thing to uh, it helps you kind of work it out in your in your mind mm -hmm. you know it's a good thing so not a bad thing yeah, yeah. Well, um, this has been certainly interesting, and um, I'm glad you took the time to uh, talk about your new book. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I enjoyed talking with you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.